bless you. Right, what a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. You are, you are hungry in your soul tonight for a good touch from the Lord, then you're in the right place. You're hungry for the Word of God, you're in the right place. I don't know what else a person comes to church expecting, but if you don't come expecting a touch from God, then we just need to reevaluate how we think about the house of God. The Bible said, where two, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I. That's what church is all about. There am I. Not about everything that you expect it to be or don't expect it to be. It's about being in the company of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you tonight. Praise the Lord. Uh, Brother Marcos is... You know what we've done this month? We've asked some of the young people to bring a couple of minutes of exhortation, encouragement, and the word. And I want you to give him the same attention you give to anybody else, all right? I mean that. I mean that. I, I did not have the privilege of being in church when I was a teenager, but I can, in my mind's eye, see a young David on a mission from his father to go check on his brothers, and his brothers mock and ridicule and ostracize and condemn, and, and his older brother said, with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? In other words, why are you here doing such a man's job? I don't want to be the one that thinks that way tonight, all right? Every time you open the Bible, you should be able to get something out of it. Every time we open the Word of God, there ought to be a nugget you get a hold of. Something that you deposit into your mind, into your soul. Changes the way you live and changes the way you walk. Praise God. All right, so I, I realize you, we're out of order here with normality. That's good. I'm in a changing mood lately. I'm in a changed mood lately. Hear all that clapping tonight may not be too much clapping in a week or two, though. Like Brother Bear said, where's all the shouters tonight? Brother Marcos, come tonight, would you? So, Pastor asked us to speak about, or talk about the importance of church and what it means to us, and... It got me thinking about everything that we do because of church, and like I, I really enjoy coming to church because it gives me a lot of fellowship and a lot of good people to be around, and like role models and stuff. And I was thinking about some of the strengths that the church gives me, and um, one of them is praying with other, with other people because it's. It's a lot more encouraging to pray with people, with other people. Um, so in James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So it's, it just shows that 
when you're playing with other people and other people are playing for you, it's, it's a lot more encouraging. And another thing of having a church that, you're, that you go to constantly is always having a pastor who prays and cares about the people in it. And, and uh, the pastor's wife, like she really cares about a lot of people. Another thing that really, really is important and for the importance of church is how it's affecting me now. Like, I could be out in the world partying and drinking and doing all that stuff, but thankfully I'm not. And, like, that's, like, a lot of kids my age are doing that, and it's not that good, so. And it gives me guidance through life. It helps me, I can pray direction, I can ask pastor, like, about things, everything that I need help with or whatever. So, and church is important because it gives us good things like preaching, fellowship, and worshiping that we all, everybody needs to hear. Praise the Lord. We're going to sing one more song as the children are dismissed tonight. Hallelujah. As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary. night for time to grow and you really enjoyed it we got about 20 seats in this front row i'd like to see you just boogie right up here right now come on somebody get in this front row with me male female young old thank you so much god is so good we welcome each of you on facebook tonight god bless you hope that the word of god ministers to you or has ministered to you or will minister to you that's the way. That's the way. Hallelujah. These guys are pushovers here, ladies. You want to move them out of the way? Lean on me. Hallelujah. On them. What a blessing to be here tonight. All right. Praise the Lord.
I have a feeling if I can convey what's in my brain tonight in the way I want to, that's a big if, we'll have time and I'm sure you'll have a question or two afterwards if I can just keep this topic related. I'm looking from Matthew chap at Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 6. Jesus said, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. What did Jesus mean, number two? Who wrote my title tonight? Number two. Next week, it will say number three. It will say number three next week. Next, can I get an amen from somebody? What? What? Sister Plow, you are amazing. You know that? You are just amazing. I think, what did Jesus mean number two? Everybody knows how to count. All right. Praise the Lord. Brother Stacy Hall, would you lead us in prayer tonight again? I know we prayed, but one more time, sir. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Oh, God, you're good. Praise the holy name of the Lord. Yes. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You may be seated. What did Jesus mean? Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before the swine. It's so important for you and I as believers tonight to understand that the Bible is more than just salvational. The Bible is first and foremost, Brother Michael Berge, salvational. You want to know how to be saved and purchase a ticket to heaven? You don't find that in some science book. You got to go to the Word of God to find out how to be saved. But secondly, the Bible is informational. It is chock full, packed full, energized, full of good quality information. I whispered to Brother Tosin tonight how, how much of a kick I get out of just meandering through my dad's Bible and looking in the marginal areas and trying to get into the frame of mind. What was he thinking there? Bible is full of good information. But thirdly and certainly not last, the Bible is interesting. It is salvational, it is informational, and it is very interesting. If you only read the Bible to prep for a sermon, I really feel sorry for you. I really feel sorry for you because the Bible is so much more than just conditional, it is interesting. It is food for the soul. It's encouraging. It's enlightening. It's invigorating. But what it will not do is play games with me. The Bible will not play my little 
emotional jostling games with me. You will play with me. I might manipulate you in personal one-on-one -on -one contact, and you might manipulate them. But the Bible only tells it like it is, how it is, when it is, and where it is. And one thing, Brother Brad, the Bible's not afraid to do is correct me. I can see something, Brother Colin, in the Bible, and it just sting my heart. I, don't, I can't go to the margin and say, oops, sorry. Because the Bible speaks to my soul as well as my mind. It's talking about the here and now, and it's talking about eternity. I'm trying to establish a couple of points here before I get to what did Jesus mean. See, entertainment ministers to my flesh. I'd be lying to you if I tell you I don't, I don't care for entertainment. I'd be lying to you because I have flesh just like you do, and it likes to be entertained. And entertainment ministers to my flesh. It never entertain. It never ministers to my soul. The Bible speaks to my soul. The Bible's speaking to you tonight, and we won't let on. We won't tell anybody about it. But the Bible's trying to kind of turn over the soil of your soul right now, because Jesus is about to talk to you through His Word. So I offer this statement to you as I intend it to be helpful. Not, not a shot at anybody. I intend it to be 100% ministering to your need. If the Bible is boring to you, and there may be a good representation of people here tonight that inside they're thinking, well, okay, I'm all, I'm all ears now, preacher, because the Bible's boring to me. Here's the best advice I can give you. Start decluttering your mind. If you want the Bible to get down where it can affect change, you've got to start decluttering your mind. I really, I'm, I'm, I'm 30 years into this. I enjoy you, get, you know, interacting with me, but I don't feed off of it anymore, all right? So if you just want to sit and listen, I'm good. If you want to stand and shout, I'm good too. The Bible filters or rather, we filter the Bible's message through the mind into the soul, and both are intended to be that way by God, into the mind, into the soul. But the more baggage we bring to church, the more, I'm just going to be random tonight, but I mean what I'm saying here, the more television we watch, the more movies we watch, the more videos we look at, the more... The more worldly music we listen to, that's what clutters up the mind and keeps the word from getting to the soul. So I offer you that statement intending for it to help you. If it bores you, the answer is to start decluttering your mind. Start doing without some of the junk that you're sure you need when you know it's ministering to your flesh and not your soul. Solomon put it this way, Proverbs 23, 7. As you think in your heart, 
not talking about your blood pump. It's talking about your mind here. As you think in your mind, so we are. Amen. Poet Christopher Clant said this, and I quote, Thought is deeper than all speech, and hearing is deeper than all thought. Paul put it this way, Romans 10, 17. So then, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. It's trying to affect the inner man, what's going on internally. It can't just happen because it's supposed to. It has to have you to work in conjunction with it. You have to allow the word to filter through your mind and into your soul to cause change. So Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before the swine. I honestly, I'm not trying to be humble, this is not false humility. I wouldn't know a pearl if you stuck one in my hand right now. I wouldn't know if that was real or false. I wouldn't know. You'd have to tell me, by the way, that's a pearl. But Jesus knew, and those men he was talking to were immediately hung, suspended, with hunger for what the point was that he was about to make. Don't cast your pearls before swine. It seems to me two extremes being exemplified here. Something valuable and something not very valuable. All right, let's talk context for just a half a moment here. Most people, you say no? Hear me, brother. I'm sorry. I thought I heard you say no. Love you, brother. Most believe that in the New Testament, dogs represented the Gentiles and pigs represented the Roman Empire. So don't cast your pearls before the swine. Some men say that they believe Jesus was talking about the clutches of Roman strongholds over the Jewish common people. And dogs, I've, I've read it so many times before, in the Old Testament was often referring to male prostitutes. Where's all the shouters tonight? Either way, I know that in fact there was a reference to that which is outside of the commonwealth of Israel. But obviously this is a metaphor Jesus is speaking. He's talking to the Jews currently. If indeed, and I put my, I cast my vote in that, in that barrel, if indeed he's saying dogs, meaning someone outside of the, of the birth of the Jewish nation, if he's talking about sinful strongholds upon the people of God, illegitimate political powers, that control good people. And he's warning the brethren. He's warning people listening to him, namely the twelve apostles. That there's something you have, you contain, that's more powerful than just common, everyday, this or that. So because it's a metaphor, now it steps outside of just being the arena of 
of the Jews. It's to the Gentile world as well. Can I get an amen to that? The metaphor is teaching this. It's teaching against giving that which is special to someone that doesn't appreciate it. What is Jesus saying? Don't be so easy to give away something unique, special, sacred, godly, holy, sacrificial, righteous, pure to people that will just vomit on it. Animals like dogs and pigs, they cannot appreciate the value of truth. I'm talking about literal animals. Now this verse implies to us that there's a class of human beings that also don't know how to value deeper truth. Have you ever told somebody something in God-fearing, God-caring advice, not trying to lord over them, not trying to be, oh, that old guy or that old gal, but you cared about them. And you said, I see where this is going to end up. This is not going anywhere good. Please stop and catch yourself. Only to have them roll their eyes, sigh, like, oh, dear me. And you know that you know that they're devaluing your efforts to teach them something pure. But Jesus is saying there's certain classes of people that don't value truth that you value. 2 Peter 2, verse 2. Peter said, many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of, look at this, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. What's Peter saying? He's talking about heretics, mavericks, counterculturists, people that just will not comply to that unction of God's word in their soul. They feel the tugging of God. They feel the unction of God. They feel the love of the brethren. But they're like, no way. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he makes mention in verse 10 about some receiving not a love for truth that they might be saved. Verse 11, but he said they're going to believe a lie because of delusion. Did you care what he just said? He's not talking about people that say, I've never heard the truth. He's talking about people that hear God's voice and they say, not for me. Hey, we sidetrack here. Did anybody notice the men outlasting the ladies tonight in the altar, huh? Josh, did you notice that? So what link is there between pearls and pigs? What was Jesus saying? I'm not sure if this will content or make you contented tonight. 
I'm not totally sure, but I'm going to offer you this. Pigs have immense appetites. That's nothing new. We don't, we, we don't need to be told that, right? Someone said, you eat like a pig. I'm like, mm. no. And I know that they cannot digest a pearl. And I know they cannot understand the value of such a gem. G-E-M. And at some point in time, it behooves us, Brother Anthony Short, to realize some people will never value what you're offering them. When you tell them, hey, church is good. At some point in time, and that's such a thin line to walk, at some point in time, some people need to realize that I'm casting my pearls before swine. I'm not saying be judgmental. I'm not saying you have the right to put someone down, nor do I. But I am saying at some point in time, we need to recognize this person is taking all of my time. This person is taking all of quality time that I could be giving caring, loving, potential, sheep-bearing, sheep-loving, sheep-caring saints of the Most High God. Because the truth of the matter, Brother Prayer, is this. A pig does not have the wherewithal to figure out the value of something thrown at their feet. All they are thinking about is their next meal. And Paul said, whose God is their belly? You're calling people pigs? You're, you're putting words in my mouth. Jesus is teaching here. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Solomon said, 1122 Proverbs, as a jewel of gold in the nose of a pig. He's trying to paint a picture for me. Say, can you see this? What's out of normality here? We got a big pig over here with a jewel in its nose. Solomon said, Come on, everybody sees that's not right. What a waste. So he goes on to say, so is a fair woman without discretion. Some things are just obvious. Coming from a man with a thousand wives, I'm sure he struck out once in a while. Here's another verse I could spend an entire night on, but I'll just throw it out for this message sake tonight. Matthew 10, 14, Jesus said in this case, shake the dust off your feet. He literally taught his disciples that when you go and preach and people scornfully reject you, when people 
make mockery of the holiness of what you're saying to them. He said, when you leave that community, when you leave that arena, when you leave that city, he said, shake it off. It wasn't that you can see dust necessarily flying, but as a gesture, as a symbol. You don't want to take that putrid rejection of something sacred to the next community of potential revival with you. Shake it off. Shake it off. So just because the guy at work yesterday told you, don't you ever talk to me about God again, and you left feeling rejected, you left feeling mocked and belittled, don't carry that to the next ground of harvest. Someone needs God. Someone cares about the Lord. It's up to you and I to distinguish, and it's so difficult. It's so, it's so painstaking. We need to decide who's playing games and who isn't. No, you don't believe this, but some people play games with, with your relationship with God. And they're going to pull my strings and pull your strings. This is what John said. And this is so straightforward. Second John, verse 10 and 11. There come any unto you. Any means any. And they don't bring this doctrine. Oh, doctrine, smockering. I've heard people in church, doctrine, smockering. You'll go straight to hell with such a thought pattern. Quiet tonight, huh? John said it, not me. If they come unto you and they don't bring this doctrine, look what he said. Don't you dare. Receive them into your house and don't even bid them Godspeed. Verse 11, then I'll explain something here. Because if you bid them Godspeed, you are partaker. You're involved with it. He didn't say with their ignorance, but they're evil. Hello. Godspeed means bon voyage. God prosper you. Good luck. God bless you. There's nothing wrong with saying those terms as long as you're not saying that someone who misuses the holy nature of God. Nothing wrong with telling someone that you're being kind to and trying to witness to or opening the door for at the store. God bless you, ma'am. Have a good day. But there's a whole lot of difference with that family member that mocks the Bible, ridicules ministry, talks bad about the preacher. Whole lot different. John said, John said, don't even get involved in their train of thought. Well, what did Jesus mean? He means this. His word is priceless, precious valuable. We can't even put a thought, much less a statement on the value of God's precious word. And we should share it with anyone that's willing. But if they reject it, hear me good tonight, please. If someone willfully, openly, spitefully rejects it, don't we dare think that we should take the word of God into the mud and into the sewage 
and into the lying evil of the world in hopes of converting that person. Now that's just a little crazy, isn't it? You're not shouting right now. But the Word of God is precious. It's priceless. I don't own it. You don't own it. It's a jewel. It's a gem. Well, give me some examples, Pastor Herring. All right, I will. And I, I know this is for the tape ministry because no one in here has ever thought something like this. So for you in the tape land out there, don't ever take the word of God into the sewer of the world thinking things like this. Well, I'll go to the bar with you if you come to church with me. I don't even like church for church deals. Brother, if this is just religion, then we can get it anywhere. But when you got the Holy Ghost, you understood this is more than just church religion. This is real. This is real. Young people, young people, don't muddy the precious sacredness of the Word of God by compromising with people that lead you on. I'm quoting from God's Word, translation, Matthew 27, 24. Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, so he took water and washed his hands and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It's all on you. What was Jesus saying? Don't throw my pearls before the swine. Saying sometimes, Tina, I probably undervalue what God has given me. Doesn't mean we can be aloof and form some little special community that we're better than other churchgoers or we're better than other people on the job because you can lose what you have just like that. Well, that's, that's, that's probably a misleading statement. I don't think you can lose it like that. But until you step on pearly or between pearly gates and on streets of gold, I'm getting off track here. The Bible message of the Bible is a priceless pearl. The Holy Ghost is a precious pearl. Church, Brother Marcos, is a valuable pearl. Your walk with God is a priceless pearl. You the eyes of God are a treasured gem. I don't feel like it. My husband doesn't appreciate me. My wife doesn't care about me. My kids are smart mouth. My parents say I'm gone crazy. I'm in this church here. I'm not talking about their opinions of you. To God, you are a pearl of great price. He sold everything he had so that he could purchase the field that you lived in. 
You're a pearl of great value. That's what Jesus meant. Number two. So next time, the next time you get the thought, I, I don't amount to anything. The church would go on fine without me. Well, that's, that's just plain and simple. We'd go on without any of us. In fact, Brother Blackster, you tell me. Six months after I quit, Palmer Pentecostal Church won't even remember my name. You know, you and I know what we're talking about right now, brother. But to God, that's not the case. Imagine you compromising your experience with God at whatever expense. To God, that's that's disheartening. You are valuable. You are priceless. Your husband may degrade you. Your wife may talk down to you. Your kids may not respect you, but to God, you are priceless. I don't want no pig walking on me. I don't want no swine wearing me in its nostril. Let us stand before I go somewhere I shouldn't tonight. Stand with me, please. Name of Jesus. I'm grateful, God, to know your precious word. Grateful, God, to know you invested all in these people. You invested all in these precious sons and daughters. You invested eternity, God, in them tonight. You invested heaven's worth, heaven's wealth into every young man, every young lady, every mind tonight so that our soul could be ministered to by the word of God. Strengthen every hand, Lord God, I pray tonight. Recover every, I don't want no slow music. Whatever you got in mind, if it's slow, Abort it right now. <laughs> I don't want no slow music. Mm -mm. God, you are good. I want to celebrate his goodness tonight. I want to celebrate. <laughs>